0: I'm Josh Cooperman, and you're listening to Convo by Design featuring Sweeten CEO Gene Brownhill. You listen to Convo by Design for a few reasons, I've been told. And two of those reasons are to find inspiration and hear the stories of designers, architects, futurists, and creators responsible for the direction of design in Southern California and beyond. I have an amazing guest an architect, founder, and CEO of Sweden, Jean Brownhill. Brownhill's story is a complex one full of long shots, successes, and uphill battles. A, a woman who is disrupting the construction space by attempting a massive change in the way the business is done. I, I, I want you to know that I use the word disrupting very carefully and with purpose because that word has become... A football. It's become so overused and thrown around with regard to business changing the status quo and because simply changing something isn't enough. It has to be positive change or what's the point, right? So Brownhill's addressing some common issues and attacking those issues with thoughtful strategy available via Sweeten, a company that matches clients with vetted contractors in a transparent ecosystem that incentivizes the trade to remain on good terms, and Sweden is compensated through commissions on work transacted uh, transacted within that ecosystem. While I've not experienced the service myself, I like the idea because it it provides all parties with positive motivating factors for doing things the right way. That would make Brownhill and Sweeten a truly disrupting company. And again, I don't use that term lightly, but you see where I'm going with this. It makes sense, right? And regardless of how you feel about that idea, what cannot be denied is that a woman of color, who's an architect in the construction space, who has raised millions of dollars in VC funding, does make Jean Brownhill a a bit of a unicorn. Um, She is is one of very, very few. And uh, this is her story and speaking of unicorns convo by design is presented by walker zanger a remarkable company and an equally fantastic design partner while the walker zanger brand was built on the promise to inspire designers and architects to do their best work there is far more to it than that yes that promise is fulfilled every day through a through a commitment to provide the best ceramic, glass, stone, porcelain, and concrete surfaces and finishes. But at the heart of this is a family-owned and operated company that provides stunning surfaces for any well-designed home. And and this is what makes Walker Zanger a bit of a unicorn, too, in that they have a very successful company in the design space, You know, we're talking about a family-owned company with decades of service to the trade that has 14 showrooms around the country and works specifically with the trade, works with designers on coming up with with remarkable remarkable lines like that of designer Pieta Donovan, a, a collection of cement and ceramic tiles inspired by the patterns and colorways of the 1970s and created with a comfortable modernity. Walker Zanger is on the cutting edge of design, featuring products for every style and architectural feel. So you can create, and they provide homeowners with the materials that dream kitchens and baths are made of. And that's the kind of partnership that designers should be seeking out right now. Because when you work with companies like this, it enables you to do your best work. So thank you, Walker Zanger. <laughs> Do you, do, you like, do you like being on camera?
1: That's a good question. Um, I like spreading the story and the idea and the message of Sweeten. If I was not doing that, would I be a person who's like, photograph me, put me on the video? No. Yeah. <laughs> no.
0: But you like telling the story? Yeah. See, I think that's interesting because here at West Edge... I've, I've been doing the programming for a couple of years now yeah. and the first panel on trade day is always brand development for creatives mm. Because I, my background is broadcast. Yeah. I'm not a designer. I'm yeah. not an architect I just really love it yeah. And the brand development side has always been one of those things that I, I think you get you've probably got early on yeah. There's no time for it. Yeah, there's no time for it. Yeah. How do you find the time?
1: Well, I mean, we're slightly different in the sense that you know we are a consumer brand, right? So I always, from the very beginning, knew that to really build trust in the construction industry, you had to create a brand, a real lifestyle brand that people, you know, that would resonate, that they'd have an emotional reaction to, like to have it transactional, especially construction and online, it's not gonna fly. When was
0: Sweeten born? When was it ideated?
1: <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. So I, I started thinking about it. Oops. I started thinking about it probably around 2007. But that means like way in the back of my mind, I started thinking about like, boy, you know, like, look at this technology. You know, I really feel like people who care about design, care about architecture should be building in this new medium. Like I really just saw it as a medium. Right. And it was just kind of. I don't know I had a very long uh, gestation period back there because it wasn't until 2011 that I launched the company. So, yeah, it was it was a just a little nugget of an idea for a long time that just kept kind of building as I was, you know, building my career, working on other projects. It was always just this nagging feeling of like no, I like people who care about architecture, people who care about design, should be building platforms in this new world that reinforce why they're important, reinforce them as professions. Because I could just see, right, like I could, if you look at what has happened to, say, other hierarchical creative industries. So think journalism, think music, right? So maybe the people who built those platforms, maybe they would say that they really care about those things. maybe not if you look at the business models and maybe not if you look at what they've actually done to the industry. So it was just this, it was just this feeling like someone should, someone who cares about it should be out front building. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I guess that, that could be me. <laughs> Do you
0: remember what, so it's, it's really interesting when you have an idea The idea is always magical. Yeah. And then you start thinking about the idea and then you start talking yourself out of the idea because you start realizing all of the things that stand between you and actually making the idea real. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? I mean that's what we do to ourselves. Yeah. Do you remember what what the things were that what the ideas were that you were talking yourself out of the idea for? Do you remember what they what the specifics were?
1: So this might be a personal defect <laughs> or like some kind of like personality, like I should probably talk to someone about it. I didn't feel that way. Every single time I thought about it, I thought more inspired and more excited about it. Right. Like I, I literally don't have that piece in my mind that says like, don't do this or even like quit. Like there have been so many times in this, this journey of building Sweden that it would have made a lot of sense to quit and it just, it doesn't, like I said, I think it's like a defect.
0: Okay. So, but if that's, <laughs> if
1: that's the case,
0: then why did it take so long between the, yeah. the moment you first ideated the concept and when you launched it in 11?
1: Yeah. So uh, I actually did two other businesses doing the same idea. So I was trying to figure out how do you bring high quality construction and design resources to regular people? That was like the problem I was trying to solve. I tried two other companies in that same period of time. And so I was definitely working, working, working on cracking this. It just took me a while to really understand from a homeowner side, like what they really needed from a general contractor side, what they really needed. So it was actually through conversations after those first two businesses or those first two ideas didn't work that sitting down with those customers so I had like a few customers left and I was like okay let me buy you coffee I promise I am not going to talk I am just going to listen to you tell me what I didn't do tell me why I didn't solve your problems and what could I have done that would have been helpful and then I and sat there and it was out of those conversations that the business model for Sweeten came about. So, homeowner said, I need you to stay with me through the whole project. I don't just need information. I need you there for, from the very beginning till the very end. I have so many questions. I have so many like anxieties. You just giving me one piece of information or one design inspiration is not enough. And then on the general contractor side, they were saying... Um, I am so tired of like lead gen or people who say that they're gonna help me to grow my business. If you bring me real work, if you get that work awarded to me, I'm happy to pay you. And, and bonus, if you can help me actually complete that project faster, even better. Do you remember, were those the two things? Those were the two things. Those
0: were the only two things.
1: I mean, there was like lots of other like specifics in there, but that was the really those you know like the the signal that started to like resonate through all those conversations. Those were the two main signals.
0: So how did how did you adjust? What was the did you have to pivot or was it just an adjustment?
1: So um, it it was it was a business model adjustment. It was I mean it was everything. So the way Sweeten works is. A homeowner comes to our site, they post a project on our site, we match them with one of our vetted general contractors, and once that project is awarded, we track it all the way to completion. So in the beginning, that meant like an account manager, and you still get an account manager that will track your project, but now you also have a bunch of platform tools where you can have all of your you know, um, milestones connected to payments, you can have your all your payments flow through the platform, you can have all your communications, you can have everything centralized in one place so that you really do feel supported from the very beginning to the end. And that's, that's what they asked for.
0: <laughs> that's what they asked for, and that's what you delivered. And so in the last, what, eight years, Yeah. how do you refine?
1: So we, again, so we, we started at the very hardest point and grew out from there, right? So to get a homeowner to come to our site, to trust us, to meet with our general contractors, to hire that general contractor, that was the really, really hard part. So getting someone to say, yes, I will part with you know $100,000 or even $10,000. It is a ton of money. And it's people, again, people have saved up, not only have they saved up for a home, but now they finally have the money to make it their own, to make it really feel like theirs, that is hard money to part with. And so we focused in right at that moment in our business model and everything else kind of centralized around that. So we only get paid from our general contractors when there are awarded projects through our platform. And then everything else just grew out of that. So now we have, you know, a bunch of algorithms working to help us to pre-screen not only general contractors, but also homeowners to figure out how to match, to figure out how to track products. Projects, you know to really understand like the the data component of it to make that data available to our homeowners so that we can share pricing information we can benchmark timelines we can benchmark general contractors against each other all of that came out of that one getting that one moment right isn't that amazing yeah it, it's amazing but it only took eight years <laughs> you know it's, it's funny you say
0: that but to some maybe some people have been working on an idea for 20 years and then yeah. before they figured it out, and yeah. some, then you look at the ones who figured it out after a year or six months, and we can be mad at them, but
1: you know what? The thing I I've seen a lot of companies come and go, especially that have been you know um, backed by hundreds of millions of dollars of venture capital. So when I first started, I raised a seed round of $1.3 million and I was on a television show with this other founder and also trying to like crack this home improvement space, renovation space. He had raised $100 million. (laughs) So I've seen a lot of people come and go to think that they could solve the problem. And I'm really proud of the team at Sweeten because we have stuck to our knitting and we have solved it.
0: Take me back to starting in the starting of your career. Okay. Why? Why why this direction? What what about this industry? Did you find so appealing?
1: So I have to be honest. <laughs> I did not know anything about this industry. So we're going to go all the way back to when I was a junior in high school. I was good at math. I was good at art. But that was only because I have dyslexia. So my guidance counselor said, you know, you should be an architect. You're good at math. You're good at art. That's like what an architect does. Now, nobody in my community, nobody in my family, like, I didn't know what that meant. But my mom pulled out one of these College for Dummies books. She then goes to the architecture section. She finds Cooper Union is free. And she's like... Great. I, now I know how you're going to go to college. We have no money for you to co- go to college. This place is free. You're going to go for architecture. Done. Problem solved. Now, <laughs> you know, like, I didn't realize that that was kind of an insane idea. Because it's harder to get into than West Point. But I was up for the challenge, as always. And I loved, and they still, they really rely on a, a home test. Um, As part of the application process and I'm just a naturally curious person as I said who doesn't quit And so I did that home test. I did that home test like I don't know I was like I'm fire to do that home test Got into Cooper Union found out that I actually do love architecture that I love living in cities that I love like I It was serendipity in the in the most true sense of how I got into the industry, and I I I haven't looked back. I have not had any other profession. I have not been in any other industry. I love architecture. I love construction. I was I was in college. I was like a shop rat. I was the girl like you know on the table saw pouring and I was pouring bronze and and doing all the like <laughs> crazy things. I loved it. I just loved it. So it found me, and we've been happy ever since.
0: So. That's really interesting because that's where the magic is is that it yeah. found you yeah. it's not like you forced you forced your way into it no. but I think it's fascinating because when you say nobody in my family really knew of architecture or design it wasn't yeah. it wasn't something that was important, and to sort of find your way into it why do you think architecture wasn't do, is your is your family artful? I, I just yeah. I find it interesting to see how creatives find their way when sometimes there is no family influence because yeah. that's a, a really hard way to get somewhere,
1: yeah. yeah. you know, this is like a very it's a very complicated question, right? Because you see. the thing that's popping to my mind as an example of why (laughs) I did not grow up in housing projects but if you look at the translation of modern architecture into housing projects for low-income people, you start to understand that as a society, we tend to think of design as frivolous, right? So they strip away all of the elements that make modern design modern design, and you're left with like brick boxes with tiny windows that nobody wants to live in because it's a terrible experience. And so as a culture, if we keep stripping out design and architecture and just like thoughtful creation of the built environment it's really easy to be like I did grow up in a world that at least the world directly around me mostly reflected places where design had been removed where did you grow up? New London, Connecticut
0: and, and what about that What what is that city? What's the influence there? What's special about that city and what part did you grow up in?
1: So it is um I think it was the first stop for Amistad, although I have to check that. It's like a whaling city. Okay. So originally it's, you know, it's um on the Thames River. And it is known probably now mostly for having Connecticut College, the Coast Guard Academy. Um, but they're kind of in a, a different section of town of where I grew up. Um, yeah, it's, it it doesn't have, it has electric boat across um, the river in Groton, but it doesn't have necessarily a, a anchor industry or an, anchor identity really too much anymore. Sorry, New London.
0: Any any design to speak of?
1: There's a McKin Mead and White train station, I believe that's true. Well, but see, it's, so it's interesting.
0: <laughs> I, I asked the... I. I asked the background question because it's one of the things that I'm absolutely fascinated by. Yeah. How creative types find their way, because it's not something that's that's even if you, even if you were in like okay. So I'll back up. A couple weeks ago, maybe a month or two ago, I met with. Um, I, I sat down with Dakota Jackson. Great his dad was a magician he's talking about you know growing up in a magic family and sleight of hand and so he you know his his musical tastes and then he's you know he's he's he gets into furniture yeah. and he's building furniture with secret boxes and yoko awesome. ono then then has him build something for john lennon yeah. and this desk that he builds has you know these these secret drawers and so you know so he can hide drugs in it and he's he's just but why and the how and then the art furniture movement and to watch this like locomotion just
1: take control
0: of someone and their life and their career and it seems to me it feels that way that this was the same with you
1: yeah I mean so my mom does have um like she passed on to me a natural curiosity so she's always reading so there were tons of books in our house and tons of ideas floating around our house if not you know lots of resources or design or money for <laughs> that uh matter uh you know she was friends uh do you know Barkley Hendricks, the painter mm-hmm. so he lives in new london connecticut okay. so he was like friends with my mom and you know like i definitely like remember him like photographing us and talking about painting but it wasn't it wasn't like that's probably the the most extreme fancy version I have of it like my mom's a title searcher for real estate and my dad's a taxi driver like it's not (laughs) like I did not necessarily grow up in a house of like magic um but I did grow up in a house of like deep curiosity so like my dad another example my dad um was obsessed with computers, even though, you know, he's had like a very challenging background, very limited education. Computers came out and my dad was on it. We had like a Commodore 64. He was at Radio Shack all the time. Like his his basement to this day is filled with motherboards. Like he is constantly building computers. He doesn't understand why people buy them. Like, so they're just, they're like naturally very curious people. And that's what they passed on to me. And I think that that's probably like the core of any creative as well and mine just happened to manifest as like an entrepreneur um an architect but yeah I think I think what they gave me is curiosity
0: well and I'm fascinated by it by it I just I think the question is so is so interesting and and it's it's fun maybe you know as a problem solver and you look at people as the the ultimate puzzle right (laughs) and trying to figure it out so I've got we're here at West Edge yeah 2019 and um I am so thrilled you are on a panel that I'm it's it's fun because for me having programmed the entire weekend it's after years and years of doing this and trying to figure out every year what what is it that people want to know about
1: mm-hmm.
0: what mm-hmm. is it that designers and architects want to talk about yeah. you know the in the industry there are so many events yeah. there are so many gatherings there are so many panels there are so many books and there are so many keynotes and there's so many conversations talking about all different elements and aspects to the to the business mm-hmm. you know it, it's really a challenge to try to figure out what it is that people want to hear about and that's why I'm thrilled that you could do it because you know your story is is fascinating and it's so special one of the others that it sort of it's interesting there's a connection to it one of the other panels that I put together for this is de- design diversity crafting our world the way it should be mm-hmm. and and I'll be honest with you in tackling the subject matter I'm I'm still really I am out of my comfort zone. Hmm. I am completely out of my comfort hmm. zone because it's one of those things I don't have the I don't have the ability to speak for some of the people that are on the panel yep. and say what their experience was or what their background was yep. but it feels like it's a conversation that needs to be had. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's not moderated. So we've got four creatives who are up there talking about their own experiences as people of color in a traditionally white industry. Yeah. And your experience kind of follows along that same, that same vein. And so to hear you say, you know, there really wasn't a design or architecture influence in my family when I was growing up, yet here you are Accomplishing what you've accomplished. And as you're talking, I'm kind of seeing like you're talking about your dad and his motherboards and building computers. You have found a way to take your career and you've kind of done the same thing. Technologically speaking, you figured out how to. Why would somebody go out and buy one when (laughs) you could just build it?
1: (laughs) You just built it. Totally. Well, and you know, I, the other thing that I've realized in my career, I enjoy building the platform so I am a platform builder that is you know and sometimes honestly I think people um, who maybe don't understand that and I can see that you do they might confuse like oh well you want to be on the top of the platform or you want your name and you know i it's there's nothing that makes me more happy to see our general contractor succeed, to see our team succeed, to see, when I was at the Graduate School of Design, I was the co-founder of the African American Student Union. It has gone on to, the students and I've done, I've, I've had nothing to do with this, they've gone on and done this black and design conference, and through that conference, so many connections have been made, so many um, business opportunities, new panels, new works have been created out of that. Like, like maybe maybe I'm like I'm the motherboard. <laughs> More than like building a computer, I like to make. I like to see all the things connect. I like to see the thing build like yeah, like that's my that makes me happy.
0: Well, and it's interesting that you could find that you could find your way there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so t- tell me about last question, yeah. really the the future for Sweden. Really interesting to me because yeah. tech companies because you're a tech company. We're a tech company. Tech companies.
1: Are you saying that because you can't believe us? I'm the founder and CEO of a tech company. There's no. very few African American women.
0: No, 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 <laughs> no. But there aren't... I guess for me, tech companies in architecture and design don't have... Uh, Laurel and Wolf comes to mind. Mm. And... I remember, you know, my background's in broadcast. Yep. So I see things recreated over and over yes. again. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. And
0: Laurel and Wolf, I remember two years ago, everyone talking about Laurel and Wolf, like, this is the next big thing. This, yep. is, this is the way our industry's going. Yep. And then you see what happens. Yep. So as a tech company, you have, to, you, have to keep, you have to keep going. How do you do that?
1: Yeah, so I, I think... One of the things that people get wrong when they start tech companies is they really internalize this idea that they are going to disrupt an industry. That is not what we're trying to do. We are trying to bring efficiencies. We are trying to make it better. We are a collaborator with all of our general contractors. No one is trying to disrupt anything. We're trying to make it better. And I think that sometimes that disruptor idea gets embedded in there and then the very people that you're trying to have as customers, you're also saying, like, no, don't do it that way, do it my way. That's not, at least as far as I can tell, that doesn't really work.
0: <laughs> and it also sounds like you're not trying to remove anybody from the equation.
1: No, and in fact, our platform is really different in the fact that... One of the things that's really important to me is that there is enough space in our business model and our platform and the idea of our business that other businesses can grow underneath the umbrella of Sweden. So as opposed to maybe some of these other platforms where they've really made it very clear that they've commoditized labor and made it something that not only the margins don't allow for any type of aggregation underneath it, Um, and there's certainly no clear path to any sustainable income or like you know say the middle class it's super important to me that our general contractors can go from being a one-man show or one-woman show hire more project managers be awarded more projects continue to grow their business like we have had folks come to us you know booking the average general contractor books uh about five hundred thousand dollars of business a year. So they come to us booking five hundred thousand dollars a year and within a few years they're doing three, four, five million dollars a year of business with us. Nothing has changed other that they've joined Sweden. Like that is awesome to me and if we don't I mean I'm gonna like I'm probably I'm probably getting like way too like political and <laughs> whatever but like you just you have to have clear paths for social mobility within these platforms and it makes me really proud that ours has that and you know as long as I'm in charge it always will.
0: I love that I love that I love that and I can and I'm, and I'm excited to watch it grow Thank you. Because I think it's it's going to be amazing. So anyway, thank you, and thank you for doing this, and thank you for doing the panel. I, yes. cannot, I cannot wait to uh, sit and watch that.
1: Yes, and uh, this wind has almost been cooperative. So great. <laughs> I'm watching
0: you fight it. It's, it's the greatest. <laughs> there you go. That does it for another episode of Convo by Design featuring Jean Brownhill. Now you see what I mean when I tell you that she's a bit of a unicorn. and uh, And she is. And she gave me some time uh, to tell you her story. So, Jean, thank you very much. Greatly appreciated. Uh, enjoyed it. Special thanks to Walker Zanger. You guys are amazing, and uh, your partnership is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Were it not for you, Combo by Design, what's the point? We just we wouldn't be here. Why would I do this if uh, if it wasn't for you listening and uh, communicating on social and sending me emails and telling me your design ideas and for you designers and architects coming up to me at these events, telling me your stories, showing me pictures. I absolutely love it. I encourage you to continue. Keep sending those emails, uh, Convo by design at outlook dot com. Keep downloading the show and make sure that you're listening on your uh, on your smart device because all you have to say is Hey Siri. Play the Convo by Design podcast.
1: Okay. Convo by Design podcast coming
0: up. I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is Convo by Design. Okay. How fun is that? All right, so there you go. Have a great week. And until next week, keep creating.